Did God really tell you not to eat from any of the trees in the garden? Does God really care what you do in the bedroom? Does God really care if you're married? Does God really care if you just tell that little white lie? Does God really care about A, B, or C? The echoes of that first temptation resound in our daily lives. And it always cuts to that very same issue of, can you trust God? Can you trust his word? Can you trust his mouthpiece in the church? Ultimately, every single sin is for us a proclamation that we don't trust that God will take care of us in this moment. We, we say, no, no, I can't trust that God will take care of me, so I need to take care of myself. I, I need to listen to this moment's desire more than I listen to the Word of God. I need to trust my own plans more than the teachings of the church that God has given me. And ultimately, that is what the Lord wants to transform in us this Lent. Because every Lent is meant to be a restoration of a relationship. Too often we treat Lent as if it's just our isolated quest for self-perfection. Like Lent is my time to prove to myself that I can do this cool thing. I can go without a certain thing for 40 days and 40 nights. But if that's all you get out of Lent, I'm sorry, but you're missing the whole point. Because the whole point is that I restore my relationship with the Lord. Any discipline that I take on, it's for the sake of me being able to give myself more fully in trust to Him. If the effect is not that, then my Lenten penance is useless. The Lord wants to bring us back to the garden and recreate us. He wants to bring us back to that moment of temptation and say, you know, you can choose differently. I will give you the grace to choose me rather than choosing the lies of the evil one. But how do we allow that to happen? Well, we have a choice. We can model ourselves after the pattern of the trespass of Adam. Right? There's that that line in the letter of St. Paul to the Romans, where throughout this whole section of Romans, what Paul is doing is he is presenting for us the old Adam and the new Adam. He, he shows us Adam in the garden and then the new Adam on the cross. And, and he basically says to us, which one are you going to be? We all came into this church, came into this holy season of Lent after the pattern of the trespass of Adam. Right? There's a lot of stuff that all of us have going on. That's why we wore those ashes on our foreheads, was because we knew that change is necessary. But that change it, it is not symbolized in one day a year that we come here and show it externally. It, it, it is actually made real in the choices of every single day where we have before us, am I going to be like Adam or like Jesus? Like the old Adam or the new Adam? And so we have to look at how the devil tricked the old Adam and then how the new Adam 
ended up being able to prevail. First, we go to that first temptation. The serpent asked the woman, Did God really tell you not to eat from any of the trees in the garden? What's wrong in this scenario? Well, first of all, there's a talking snake, right? So we we can tell that, that, that in this, this is the poetic rendering of a very real event, which was that that a fallen angel tricked human beings, the first two, to lose their trust, to forfeit trust in their heart, and, and to choose against God. But what's really wrong here is that Eve's alone. What was it that... Uh, the, the first, it is not good that God proclaimed in Scripture was when he saw that Adam was alone. Because the devil divides and conquers. We, we are so weak in isolation, but we are so strong in communion. And, and that's why God deals with us, not in this, this relationship of, oh, it's just me and my Jesus, but rather in the context of a church. The Lord calls us to be able to be connected to Him, in communion with Him, in part through our communion with one another. And so the Lord calls us to never have to fight the serpent alone, but instead of getting into that kind of a um, a discussion with the tempter, we turn to the Lord for help. We turn to each other for support. We turn to the church for direction. Because otherwise, it is far too easy for us to be fooled by the one who hates our souls. So once the devil inspired even just a little bit of doubt in Eve, what did she say? She, she already started to change the way that she remembered who God was. The woman Uh, The woman answered the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden. It is only about the fruit of the tree that is in the middle of the garden that God said, You shall not eat it or even touch it, lest you die. Right? You see that once doubt enters in, and and I've made this point before, but it's worth repeating. Once doubt enters in, the way that we see God changes. The way that we see God's commandments changes. Once we forfeit trust, we forfeit everything. Because without trust, every every teaching of the Lord, every divine command becomes a restriction rather than a path toward freedom and flourishing. We don't just see him as saying, oh, don't eat that. We say, oh, he doesn't want me to eat it. He doesn't want me to even touch it. You know what? Tomorrow he'll probably tell me I can't even look at it. And we start imagining God as one who wants to curtail our freedom and and lead us into slavery instead of seeing God as the one who loves our souls and and wants to bring us to full human flourish. The serpent then goes with a straight lie and says, you certainly will not die. And the woman's eyes begin to change that much more. What does she say, or what does the the, the scripture say then? 
The woman saw that the tree was good for food, pleasing to the eyes, and desirable for gaining wisdom. That which was forbidden for her at that moment because she stopped trusting God. That what was forbidden was bad for us. Instead, she started seeing as the thing I can't have is the only thing that I want. And how often is that the case for us? How often do we follow that pattern of the trespass of Adam and Eve? How often is it that the the only thing that we desire is that which is not on the table for us? We have an example of this every Friday of Lent. Every Friday of Lent, what is the most delicious looking thing that you could ever imagine? Meat, steak, bacon. Uh, anything barbecued, right? All of it, we want it on Fridays, not because it's any better than it is any other day of the year, but because we can't have it, because we have hearts in rebellion, because we have accustomed ourselves after the pattern of the trespass of Adam rather than after the pattern of the heroic uh, victory of Christ. And every Lent is our chance to say, okay, how have I completely folded under the pressure of temptation? How have I maybe habituated some sins? How have I, and this is the most important part, how have I forfeited trust for the Creator in my heart and sown this kind of attitude that I I cannot believe that Jesus wants the best for me? Okay, so what does Jesus do? That's what Adam and Eve did. First of all, they let themselves be isolated from one another. And they, they, they ended up falling victim to the devil's divide-and-conquer strategy. Then they let doubt displace trust in their hearts. And they let themselves forget who this God was and what he said. And they let themselves instead view as most beautiful the thing that was forbidden, almost because it was the thing that was forbidden. Well, what did Jesus do? He, when he entered into temptation, and first of all, we have to say, why did he even let himself be tempted? Jesus entered into the experience of temptation so that you would never have to face temptation alone. Because it would be far too easy for us to say, Yeah, God, easy for you to say up in heaven that I'm not supposed to sin, but you don't know what it feels like to be tempted. You don't know what it feels like to have a body, to be hungry, to be tired, to have needs, to have desires. And he experienced all of that, not because he couldn't have known it through divine knowledge, but so that we could see him in the desert and realize, I don't have to face this temptation alone. Right? Eve... Instead of reaching out to Adam or to God, face the serpent alone. We in our temptations, do we reach out to the resources that are there for us? Do I reach out to my Heavenly Father in that moment and say, Father, help me? Do I reach out to a brother or a sister and say, I need your help. I've been really tempted in this way or that way. I need you to keep me accountable. I need you to support me. Do we reach out or do we try to face the devil alone? Well, the Lord came and was tempted so that you would never be alone in your temptation. And so he shows us this model of what to do. And among the things that we are to do, 
It's to remember who God truly is. How did he do it? Every single temptation, he responded with, it is written. And then he quoted scripture. Now, that's not for us to say like, oh, I just need to memorize Bible verses and everything is going to be good. It is, let scripture and the teachings of the church form my view of who God is. I, I need to learn who God is if I'm going to trust him. And I need to trust him if I'm going to ever be victorious over temptation. Because my victory doesn't lie in my strength, but in my relying on his strength. My victory lies in saying, I know this God, and I know his love, and I trust in his love for me. And so this Lent, how can we pattern ourselves after Jesus rather than patterning ourselves after Adam? In moments of temptation, we reach out to Jesus right away. We learn our faith so that we can learn trust in our hearts for God. Because learning our faith helps us to not succumb to the devil's lies about how restrictive God or the church wishes to be. And then, learning that faith, reaching out to God in moments of temptation... We then support one another because we, knew, we know that that fatal flaw of Adam and Eve was that they allowed themselves to be separated from one another. They fought the, Lord, uh, they fought the evil one in the context of isolation rather than communion. And so we are called to be in communion with one another if we're to have our communion with the Lord be what carries us through life.